Hello and welcome back to the I'm Glad You're Here podcast. I'm your host, Greg Sharp. Today's episode is Eric Locks. Eric is my very first guest in the Make Believe Media studio in Dexter, Michigan, and I can't wait for you to meet him. Uh, he came by to talk about the Tree Town Comedy Festival. That's going on this weekend in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and that'll be taking place at the Blind Pig, uh, the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase, and a bunch of other venues, so you're going to want to check that out. That's the Tree Town Comedy Festival going on this weekend in Ann Arbor. Uh, Eric and I go way back to when I first started comedy. He was the very first person that I met. Uh, I just texted him after seeing him at an open mic and asked him how to get involved in the comedy scene in Ann Arbor, and he has always been very kind and generous. Uh, So I'm very thankful for his friendship, and I really think you're going to enjoy meeting him. So without further ado, here's Eric Locks. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for having me. Thanks so me. much for coming out, man. You're the very first guest here in the Make Believe Media studio. It's a nice place you got here. Hey, thanks. Yeah, I crammed as much crap into this little <laughs> tiny space as I possibly could. I mean, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah, I, it, this wasn't even the intention when I got the space. Mm-hmm. I uh, I just needed a place to work like because uh, I've been working from home. Yeah. And that hasn't been working out. So, <laughs> so I needed a place that I could just go to, set up shop. And, you know, I used to go to the bar. The bar had free Wi-Fi. Uh-huh. And I haven't been going to the bar very much lately, <laughs> so I needed a space of my own. Um, so that's all this was going to be. And then I got in here and I started setting up curtains and stuff, and I couldn't stop. So <laughs> next thing you know, I mean, look at all this. We're uh, we're recording on three cam- Actually, four cameras. I got four cameras going. Uh, I've got backup audio in case everything shuts down. We'll at least get the audio. <laughs> Unless we lose all power, we're, we're good to go. And, I'm, I always plan for, like, every single worst-case scenario. That's, like, a good place to be. That's probably one of the reasons why, like, your show was so successful. I feel like you, like, planned well ahead of time, especially for a weekly show when most showrunners are just like, let me find a venue that I can just, like, show up and turn on the mic. It's like, you could have done that, and it would have been a show, but it wouldn't have been nearly as good of a show What where it was when you were like, all right, I'm going to show up. I'm going to set up a professional-looking stage and tear it down every week. And... I told you, it's a sickness. I don't know. There's something wrong with me. Yeah. Because I can't do anything, like, halfway. But that means I also, like, how far do... Where do I stop? And I'm in, I get obsessed about stuff, and I, I spend way too much time and money on silly things that I'm sure a lot of people don't understand. I mean, obviously the, the, it was a very successful show and the comedians appreciated it. Mm. So I don't feel like it was like effort that was wasted. No, but if if anything, the comedy scene needs more people willing to put in that like above and beyond effort. Absolutely. I totally agree with you, but nobody (laughs) should feel bad (laughs) if all they're doing is showing up and turning a mic on that's true that's true because i mean for what we're making to do this yes it's it's a lot to ask out of anybody that's true it's just sometimes i feel like in general you can have something good and with like a little bit x like a little bit of extra effort you can make it great and i feel like a lot of people don't realize that so they're like right on like a precipice sometimes yeah and for whatever reason, 
that's like good enough almost. Which like it is good enough, right? Like stand up like open mic stand up comedy yeah. is just open mic stand up comedy. There's nothing like it's not right. gonna save the world. So but, our our friend uh, Andrew Yang runs the show at the Blind Pig. Yeah. And he agonizes over it. Like he'll come up to us after every single show. It's like, oh, I'm really sorry about that. Yeah. And we're like, what are you talking about? We're just happy to have like it's like a real stage with a real mic and a real crowd. Yeah. As as open mics go, man, that's a that's a killer place to be every it's single so week. And literally, he always feels bad about it. Literally this past Monday, instead of it being standing room only there was two open tables. It was still full. It yeah. was still a full show. But normally it's like we literally run out of stools for people to sit in. Right. So the fact that this one show had two open tables on this one random Monday night was like too oh, much for him. Shameful. <laughs> totally shameful. <laughs> He's actually here tomorrow. I'm, I'm bringing him in tomorrow. You were talking last night. Yeah. yeah. So you're here to uh, promote with the comedy festival. We're gonna we're gonna get into that later, but I don't know what he's planning on talking about. But I'm not letting you guys both do. <laughs> well, he, uh, I mean, he is on the comedy festival this year. <laughs> yeah, but he's not. He's he, he was producing. It was too stressful for him. <laughs> so this year, he, he why is that not surprising? Yeah, that's everything's not surprising too stressful for him. Yeah, so he's he, always stressed out. He's not producing this year. How does he have a small child? <laughs> yeah, that I have no idea. <laughs> no, uh, so no, I'm excited that. Of all the people for you to like for, to be the first people, first person here. I mean, you were the first person I ever met in comedy. That's so, very funny. Yeah, um, and I don't even know how that was. I think I went to an open mic at the Arbor Comedy Showcase, mm. and you were one of the people I saw there whose name I could remember by the time I got outside and could check Instagram yeah. to find somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I just started messaging you out of the blue because um, I didn't know how to get into comedy. I didn't know yeah that it was just oh you you just show up. <laughs> yeah, that happens a lot at the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase because I think people just Google like uh -huh. comedy club near me or whatever. And the fact that they have an open mic that more or less anybody can do if they just like back yeah. then you would like call in. Nowadays, you like sign up on the website. And it's a lot of people's very first time will be at the showcase. And the fact that there's like these regulars, like myself included, that are there like every week because it's our favorite place to just like right. work on new jokes. Like, I meet a lot of those people. I've seen so many people's, like, first times on stage. And I try to always be nice. And if, like, they're actually good, I try to, like, point them in the right direction. Which, like, back in the day, you'd literally just be, like, join the MCN Facebook group. Yeah, yeah. And it was just, like, you can just find so many open mics there. I don't know if it's still like that. I don't really. Well, I, I have, I mean, it was it was not that long ago. It was only, like, five years ago. So I can remember feeling like okay well I, I i stalked all of you people for a little while i went to the open mic for a few weeks in a row yeah saw who the regulars were mm -hmm. um so like i remember you and brett uh i think andrew uh might have been around then mm -hmm. um tanner yeah uh, so i i just i remember thinking okay well these are the guys that like not that you guys like running the running the show or anything, but it was like these were you were all around yeah, regularly. We, we were staples. So, we were there. So every it felt week. like okay, these are the the people I have to hang with. I remember Pat Sievert was one of the, mm -hmm. one of the people I, I remember watching on one of those first shows. Yeah, thinking, uh oh, if like he's so talented and it's so crazy. unique, and it's like how do you find that unique voice? Yeah, and it, even back then he would always have like the final spot on the yeah. mic mm -hmm. and. He would just crush every time with his like 
strap in daddy's gonna land this plane <laughs> every as single his time. opener and, and it murders every time it's so it's, funny well because of the way he delivers it everything yeah. of everything he says because of the way he delivers it has this extra layer of just hilarity to it oh he's doing a bit now he did it at the comedy festival up in mm-hmm. traverse city where somebody asked him if that's a character that he's doing. He's like, if this was a character, why would I choose this as my character? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's just, it's incredibly unique and it's impossible to to mimic it in any possible way. Yeah, which is one of the cool things about like being involved in the local comedy is like you get to see talent like that. Yeah. And you get to see these guys like regularly, like seeing a comic that funny, like work on new jokes is so exciting because it's like, I don't see him that often, but let's say like once a month or whatever if I go to Max or whatnot, it's like, oh, I can't wait to see what Pat's working on right now because I know it's going to be hilarious. And then it's cool when like, you know, he puts out his album or whatever and like everyone can kind of like see the finished product. That's like an also cool thing. Yeah. But there is something cool about like being in the community and just like seeing comics you really like work on new stuff. It's like adds a little layer of excitement that I think like people who don't regularly kind of, like, go to comedy shows, I feel like don't really, like, realize that's kind of, like, happening. And I think that's probably why a lot of people, like, get turned off by comedy if they're going to go to an open mic. Mm-hmm. Because they don't get to see the process. They only get to see the one time. It's like, oh, that guy sucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, like, no, you're seeing the beginning. Mm-hmm. You're going to come back in two weeks, and it's going to be completely different, or it's going to be worked out, or... Yeah, yeah, But, like, you can't blame them. It's no. like... You know, it's like, yeah, I did suck tonight. <laughs> like, I wish you would have been here two weeks from now. Well, and I, I wish there was more understanding about how, I mean, most of us comedians are pretty self-reflective on stuff like that. We have the self-awareness to know when we sucked and when, yeah, not all of us. <laughs> no, I wish it was all of us, yeah. but but a lot of us are, we're able to be like, okay, well, that obviously didn't go as planned or whatever. Yeah. Um, but like you read any comments on any video or whatever it's like oh well, that obviously wasn't very funny so I, I don't know why people are posting open mic jokes on their youtubes anyways but yeah always that doesn't come through or it's not an understood part of the process yeah that the only way to work out a joke is to just get in front of people these are real people we're mm-hmm. working out in front of yeah um whether they're paying or not or whatever the show is yeah so i, I don't know i think as more people start to appreciate comedy whether or not this is comedy's golden age or second golden age or whether we're on the decline or <laughs> um, there's a lot more comedy fans it seems these days that are starting to understand at least that part of it and they're not just out there to watch whatever special is coming out yeah but at the same time i can't blame them it's like if i want like if i'm gonna watch a piece of comedy i want it to be good if i'm gonna watch an hour-long yeah. special I don't want to see. I want. I don't want it seem like half baked or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Or if even if I'm going to a club on a weekend, I'm paying twenty two bucks for a ticket. Yeah. You expect there's some expectation that even if they're going to throw in a chunk of new stuff in the middle, and I still see comedians announcing that for some reason. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm going to do some new stuff right now. It's like, oh, why? Why would you tell me that? Yeah. Why not just do it and see how I react? I see. And, yeah. It's that's just like I've seen a lot of different opinions on that because. So Tony Deo is a headlining comic Mm -hmm. and he will wait till the check drop, which is always the worst moment in the show because like people are distracted, people people are paying their bills and whatnot. And he'll break out a piece of paper and just like 
well, he's like, well, you guys are kind of half distracted right now anyways. <laughs> like, this is the perfect time yeah. to, me do, to do, like, my roughest premises, which is, like, makes sense. And so it's, like, everyone kind of has their own, like, kind of views on it. And it's, like, like, the funnest part of doing comedy is, like, getting a new joke to work. Yeah. Like, when you crush using old jokes, that's also fun. But it's, like, if you can crush doing new jokes, that's way more fun. Oh, absolutely. The the dopamine hit of writing something on the way to the show and then saying it out loud and it'd be like, oh, they thought that was funny too. Yeah. Man, there's nothing like that. Yeah, it's crazy. So I understand that, like, wanting to, like, couch your new jokes or kind of, like, brace them or, like, I don't want to lose them, but I do want to do these. Yeah. So, I don't know. There's a lot of different, like, ways to approach it. Being, like just saying you're going to do it is the most subtle way. <laughs> I just I just think whenever you give the audience an out, they'll be like, okay, well, that wasn't supposed to be good anyway, so I'm not going to give her the satisfaction of laughing at that yeah. whole section. Yeah. I don't know. It, I, it was a lesson that I learned long ago. I don't remember if it was in a class or whatever. Mm. Um, but it was, yeah, don't just uh, always appear that you're in total control of everything and mm. whatever. I don't know if it works. It works sometimes. It doesn't, but there's yeah there's so many just like different styles of comedy right where it's like there's the people who like part of their onstage persona is like seeming nervous or something like almost like the mitch Hedberg kind yeah, of like yeah. having his hair in front of his face where it's like so things that will like work for some people like some people are just like if they're like oh i'm gonna work on some new stuff now and they it's kind of like they have kind of a timid persona or something you're like yeah that makes sense why you'd be doing that but something who's like over-the-top confident all the time like if they were to do that that's definitely way weirder yeah and it wouldn't match the onstage persona so it's just like comedy is such like a unique like person-by-person -person basis thing mm -hmm. that i know it's hard to get into what the rules are. there aren't yeah any there aren't any really. rules anymore and people used to try to enforce them and now like anytime i hear somebody like try to enforce a rule on other unless it's like do your time yeah. i'm like that's dumb but yeah. even just like there's still people being no like, it doesn't apply to me yeah there's still people point, being yeah. like oh like you can never wear like shorts on stage and it's like all right there's, there's comics wearing shorts in their netflix specials uh, like, india i think they know I, better than you <laughs> <laughs> or it didn't stop them yeah right? literally. Like, so like oh no they'd be so much further along if they didn't wear shorts yeah yeah it's like further along than a netflix yeah but Gabriel I don't know what iglesias would be selling out bigger oh, stadiums, bigger stadiums? <laughs> no, no, dodger stadium not very big yeah. it's only fifty five thousand people yeah it's like so there yeah there's no rules in comedy it's it's very punk yeah i like it oh that's a good way to put it and that's probably why it appeals to you oh 100 percent. yeah yeah i mean my first time ever running a show was I lived at a like a hippie co-op in college, and so there's like forty nine of us in one house, and uh, we used to do like local shows, like just bands and stuff, and I remember thinking like, if we can get these like bands to come through, like some of them were on tour or whatever, mm -hmm. we were just like trying to get them enough gas money and like a couch to crash on so they can make it to the next city or whatever. Yeah, which like if we can like do these local band shows we can do local comedy shows and then we started doing it i didn't realize till like way after that like other people were doing the same thing oh, but like course. at the time i was like i made up comedy house shows <laughs> and then it's like east lansing's doing the same thing as us yeah uh-huh no but, we all think we're inventing the wheel somehow but it's... yeah but it was literally like you know you hear stories of like bands playing house shows or whatever and i remember being like 
we can do that with comedy. Like yeah. we can have this kind of like punk approach yeah. to doing comedy. And I still run basement you shows. Still, you still run a shot of your basement. Yeah. That's what gets a good time too. I came at the end of the last one. Yeah. That, I they're not very often anymore because I'm like too busy with other stuff. But it, it's the best thing about comedy, right? Like you yeah. get everybody into a basement somewhere. It doesn't matter if it's a club or your house. Mm-hmm. Low ceilings. Hard to get out of during a fire. It's the best. Yeah. It's the best room for comedy. I think Dimitri Martin told me that, said that and told me said that in an interview I saw with him once, where yeah. he's like, "Yeah, the best rooms are the ones that are impossible to get out. Like if there's a fire, you're all dying. But if there's not a fire, it's gonna be a good show because you're all in this together. Yeah, <laughs> there's nowhere else to go. You're all trapped. There's no windows. There's no connection to the outside world. Yeah. So no, it's all it's it's well, and you're you're like a punk rock guy, and I don't know. It feels a lot like that in a lot of ways mm. um and my favorite shows have been the ones that have been just like i don't know hanging by the skin of your teeth uh you don't know what's going on yeah and that's i think why the blind pig always feels like a good time it's a punk rock venue yeah doing punk rock comedy mm-hmm. it, yeah the more like chaotic the performer is i feel like the more fun the show is and not even necessarily like their energy or whatever it's just like not knowing what's coming next, which like is what comedy is, right? It's like right. not seeing the punchline coming and whatnot, but like having those things happen, it's like there's like bad chaos that can happen, right? Like hecklers or whatever. But like just like when the performer is creating that kind of like all over the place energy or just like out of left field energy, I feel like that's what makes comedy fun. And that's the same when you're like watching a band. Yeah. yeah. I mean, those are the ones that I like I'm, when I'm watching comedians thinking I like who are the ones that I'm studying, trying to be a little bit more like because on stage, I, I haven't gotten there yet mm. where I completely embrace the chaos of it. If like I go up and pretty much every minute of what I want to say is accounted for. Yeah. In what I'm planning on doing up there. It doesn't always work out that way. Yeah. Um, but I haven't really pushed myself enough uh-huh. to, to just like embrace the chaos. And the people I've been studying recently, and I don't know, there's some people in our own scene who I am fascinated with, mm-hmm. like uh, Lou Michael, yeah, uh, like Jordan Hansen, mm-hmm. Zach Martina, Dave Mishevitz is one who I you just watch all of those people on stage and they just own the entire stage, the way they move, the way they're just interacting with what's ever happening in the room. Yeah, it's just so open. And I. Over this last weekend, I got to see Rory Scovel for the first time on stage. Yeah. Who annihilated in an opera house. Yeah. Because he was just completely open to whatever happened. Yeah. yeah. It's like the venue doesn't matter. Like the people in the audience don't necessarily matter. It's like what matters is like their performance. Yeah. It's like, I like they, of course, like when you're in the moment, you have the opinions of like, Oh, like I wish like this wasn't happening, or I wish that fucking bachelorette party wasn't here. (laughs) All those things that happen in a comedy club or whatever venue you're doing. But like when it comes down to it, the thing that matters is like what the comedian on stage is doing. That's why, like, on a show, there can be back to back comics and like one bombs and one murders. It's like, well, what's the difference? It's like the crowd's the same, the venue's the same. The difference was the performance. Yeah. And it's like and you could do the same two comics on the next show, on the late show, and one of them could be, it could be completely, completely flipped. Yeah. And, but it all comes down to like that particular performance. And there's things you can do. It's like, oh, I should have done these other jokes or like what have you. But like, it's all individual. 
it is all individual and like there like like we just said there's no rules there's no mm-hmm. there's no dic- who's going to dictate to anybody how they should be on stage as somebody who's book shows now um i found that i was looking for specific kinds of comedy mm-hmm. and it wasn't until i started looking outside of that little box that you start to experience the i don't know so, some new things some, something that you wouldn't have been open to necessarily. Yeah, especially for a showcase-style show. Mm-hmm. The more, like, stylistically diverse the show is, the better it tends Absolutely. to be. Because even if you have, like, a group of people who individually are hilarious, if they're all in the same kind of, like, style or, like, delivery, back-to-back-to-back, it's just like, all right, that was, like, a fine show. Right. But if you can book... Just, like, people who are, like, very wildly in, like, delivery and just, like, personalities. It's, like, that show feels like a ride. Yeah. You're, like, that, at the end of that show, you feel like you saw, you're, like, wow, we saw a whole show. Uh And it was, but it was just eight comics doing eight minutes. But there's something about that, like, diversity of styles that can, like, really make comedy cool. I remember I booked a show and I don't remember who else was on the show, but Andy Beningo was mm-hmm. I think the closer of that mm-hmm. of that show who is as as clean as you could possibly be. Like mm-hmm. like crystal clean, like zero swear words, zero adult humor, whatever. It's completely clean. Yeah. And he it's masterful mm-hmm. in the way he does it. And there was a couple of people before him who quite frankly, we're the opposite end of that spectrum. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, even for that crowd, I mean, it was in a bar, so it wasn't jarring to them. Yeah. Um, So why would it be jarring to anybody? I I went in there with a bias thinking, I have no idea how this is going to go because because there's so many, there's a a wide variety of comics here. And of course it went great Mm -hmm. because most people are able to say, oh, this is a different person who has a different style of talking. And whether or not they're funny is the only thing that matters. Yeah. And even if, especially if they're the openers, if they don't like them, they're like, all right, well, it's just the opener. I can wait. It's a bigger problem if they don't like the headliner. (laughs) 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 I've seen that too. (laughs) I have too. Uh, uh, I do want to, so I'm calling this podcast, I'm glad you're here. Mm. Because I'm glad you're here uh, is something that has sort of like permeated everything I've done in comedy so far. I like talking to people about their story, about how they got to where they are. Because mm-hmm. um, I think we all have a, a different story. And um, I don't know, there's there's young people in our scene and there's older people in our scene. And we all end up sort of at the same starting point, yeah. no matter where you are in life. Yeah. And it's com- it's completely different for everybody. So I like I hearing how people started doing comedy. Do you remember your first open mic? Uh, yes, sort of. So I started at the University of Michigan. Um, they do a thing for all like the student organizations where they all like set up tables on the diag, like right on the center of campus. And I was like walking around and I found there was a stand-up comedy club. And so I was like, oh, I gotta go and see what that's about. So I go to the first meeting and it's just like the most hilarious people I've ever met. And just like riffing jokes, it's like, you would like write stuff and then just like present it. And it wasn't really an open mic. It was more of like a writing workshop, but you were like working on your own material, yeah. but, like helping other people tag. I laughed so hard that first meeting. I was like, well, I got to go back next week. 
And then it's like kept going back. And then like a month or two into the semester, they're like, all right, so we're going to have our first show. And I'm like, oh no, I guess <laughs> I'm in it now. <laughs> I better like organize these into like an actual five minute set. Yeah. And then, so we just had like these shows at the union and at the Michigan league, we would do like one or two per semester. And we were just like all invite all of our friends, just like pack up. They were like these, these some of the most fun shows I've done to this day. Do you still keep in touch or do you remember anybody else who was in that club? Yeah, for sure. I'm still friends with uh, quite a few of them. Some of them, not that many are still doing comedy, but some of them are. So Dan Gatman uh, out of Madison, Wisconsin, still doing comedy. Caitlin Chekarowski out of Chicago, still oh, wow. doing comedy. Uh, that'll be cool. She's coming back to Ann Arbor for Treetown Comedy Festival. Oh, that's amazing. So that'll be really cool. She's one of our featured performers. Um, and then... So those were like some of the people who were like in my era and like yeah. even the ones who don't do comedy, I'm like still friends with and like uh, a lot of them live in Chicago and I'll like hang out with them while I'm there. Um, but yeah, so I started just by like going to those like comedy meetings. <laughs> it is a, it's a really interesting way to get in, yeah. right? Like because most yeah. people don't think of it that way. I mean, I just told you for me, it was just to text you out of nowhere and be like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And then by... My sophomore year, we were, or I guess, like at the end of my freshman year, the two people who were in charge, like co presidents, were like graduating. So they're like, uh, we need new presidents. And like all of a sudden, I'm just like the president now, not because I was funniest, just because I showed up to the most meetings. <laughs> and like, oh, this kid has his shit together. We can have him and uh, Christy and be co presidents, which is like cool, you know. And so uh, then I like was just president of this club for like, three years and just like scheduling the shows and like making them happen. And so it wasn't until like towards like, I would do the showcase of the open mic once in a while, but I viewed it as this like big thing. I was like, all right, I'm going to like work on these jokes at all these shows that we put on for ourselves at like, you know, affiliated with the university. And then it's like, once I got like five minutes, <laughs> I can, like, take it and, like, debut it at the open mic at the Ann Arbor Comedy <laughs> Showcase. I viewed it as, like, a big deal, which is so funny because, like, now that's, like, my number one place to just work out the newest of new jokes. Right, right. But it's the same place. But, you know, I just, like, view it so differently now because it's, like, 10, 12 years later sure. or whatever. And um, but I, I think I romanticize comedy clubs in the same way. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter if no. it's... I mean, obviously, the Comedy Showcase, to me, is a legendary club. Yeah. Um, just because of the the names of comics that have come through there. Um, but we're really fortunate here because we've also got Ridley's yeah. in Royal Oak, which is, like, is, yeah. I don't know, it, it, for a Midwest club, it's about as big as, as any club. Yeah, there ain't, there's not that many 400-seat clubs. No. And the fact that, like, it sells out regularly. Like, if you get a weekend, like, your early Saturday show is, like, high probability of being sold right. out. It's, like... You, like, like, where well, do you get that opportunity? Yeah, where else are you going to perform in front of 400 people like this? So I, it's not lost on me how fortunate we are here to sort of have those opportunities. Mm -hmm. But I'm the same way that I still romanticize even the open mic at the showcase mm -hmm. as being like, oh, I don't, I don't like bringing out my unproven <laughs> yeah. material out for even, like, I don't know, whoever shows up to that mic on a Wednesday night. Yeah. Um, because it is, it's, there's something, I don't know, weirdly sacred about going on a real stage. Yeah. I think the thing that got me over that was Roger, the booker, where it's like, when you're trying to get booked, you could have a really great set. And the thing he would say to you, if it was good is I want to see more. Uh -huh. It was never, 
hey, good job, like run that five minutes back again. He already knows it's funny. He saw it once. So like literally he's like, I want to see more. And then next week you got to come with like a different five minutes and right. try to make that be as good. So it's like him constantly pushing all of us. Like that was like the best compliment you get from Roger, him literally saying, I want to see more. Yeah. And so like he would encourage us all to like write so much. He's never told me that. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not around as much as he used to be. Okay. So uh, you never really said if you remember your first yeah, your first go at it. I guess uh, I. How did it go? Uh, so I do remember my first show that like we put on like when I was like in that student club, and it went like super mediocre. Like okay, I got a lot of like chuckles. Like every no punchline bombed, but every punchline just got like polite chuckles okay but like in my head i was like every joke hit <laughs> right that's success yeah right? like if you hear anything that is positive yeah to me that's a pot that's that's coming out with a win yeah i definitely was like kind of delusional where it's like if you put me in that exact same scenario today and i got those exact same level of laughs <laughs> i would view it as i bombed yeah but back then it was just like getting any laughs like was just so cool I remember my first one was at the Blind Pig, mm -hmm. and I had some people there that were there just to see me, mm -hmm. and it wasn't, that was five years ago, that was before the Blind Pig show was anything. And yeah, yeah. It was basically, I brought- Before Andrew Yang even yeah. started it, yeah, um, took over. And I, so, like, half of those people were there to see me, and I felt like I did well, mm -hmm. um, but it was all the material that I'd been writing since I decided to do it. So, it was over a couple of months that I- I got my five minutes down. Mm -hmm. And then like that level of confidence that I had going into, I think the very next week, or it was like two weeks later at the same place where I bombed my ass <laughs> <laughs> with five new minutes yeah. that I was like, oh yeah, I can do this. And then I brought out five, all like five minutes of all new stuff yeah. and none of it hit. And I didn't have any of those people there with me that night. And it felt like death. Yeah. So when was, do you remember your first real taste of failure because <laughs> i i don't I, I i love that i've talked to a number of people who have been like yeah the first one was pretty well pretty went pretty well and then and then the second one i crashed back to earth yeah so i'm not sure if this is the first time i ever went to the uncle and ipsy but it used to be used to be a little black box theater like maximum 20 seats in the back of a used clothing store, like a thrift store, like kind of thing. And that used to be the Unclub, and it would be every Sunday. And I remember, like, uh, I was probably, like, 21, and I was like, oh, what? There's an open mic in Ipsy that I can just, like, go do every week? And so me and some of the other, like, Umish kids started, like, carpooling from Ann Arbor to Ipsy every week to do that mic. But I remember it was, like, it felt low stakes but it also felt like kind of professional because they had like a super bright spotlight it was like set up in kind of like tiered chairs because it was like a real yeah. like black box theater but it was like so small and i remember like it must have been the first time i was ever there the light was like blinding and my first joke didn't hit and then it's like you're like looking out and you're like, why is this light so bright? I can't even see the people, but I can hear they're not laughing. And then I tried to do the next joke and that bomb. And I was just like, 
it started just like staring at my feet because I'm like, at least I'm not getting blinded anymore. <laughs> and I just like bombed my way through and it definitely sucked. But I remember being like somebody else who I was friends with had a good set. And I was like, fuck, like I got to come back. I can't end. It can't end yeah, like that. Yeah. I got to come back and like actually do well. And then I started going back every week and I was like, it took me a while because I was so used to performing for like only college kids that like it took me a while to like write some more like re- re- like relatable <laughs> material or whatever that I started like doing all right at those shows. And that was when I first kind of like entered in like the greater Michigan comedy scene as opposed to like just like the bubble that I had been in previous to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just feel like like most people look at bombing as like from the outside, from outside, bombing looks awful. It is awful. It, it, I mean, it is awful. But from somebody who's not in comedy, it looks like this is why I don't do comedy. Yeah. This is complete death. I feel every part of this person's anxiety watching them struggle on stage. Yeah. And I, 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 I keep saying this. I, I've, <laughs> I've been doing it for five years now. I love bombing so much. I mean, not, not that I look forward to it or anything, but yeah. it's like I get so much feedback now. It doesn't matter if I bomb or if I do well. Yeah. I'm just looking for the feedback. So... Now it's like I learned how to bomb so hard when I was running my show because I did it almost every week. Yeah, and hosting a show will make you a lot better comic. I, I mean, I, I'm so grateful for that opportunity. I got to go up first every week for 75 weeks in a row mm-hmm. and try out new material almost every week. And it was, it was death every week. <laughs> and not that it was, you know, it, it, that's just the way shows go. Mm-hmm. Going up first at any show is always harder. Yeah. And it just thickened my skin so much against it that I don't I don't mind it anymore. It's like it just happens. It's just it's just part of the process. I don't think I'll ever get to the point where I'm like okay with it. Yeah. It, it just like I just like get sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like what can I do to get out of this? And I even I don't do this as much as I used to, but I was like so Like, you're right about, like, wanting feedback, though. Yeah. And I used to open every single set with the same joke just so I could get a barometer where it's like, all right, well, the joke I do every time was, like, got, like, a five on the laugh scale. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, I guess that's, like, about as good as I'm going to do for this crowd, like, my best jokes. So it's like, if I had a new joke that did better than that, I'm like, wow, that is a keeper. And if I did jokes that did worse than that, I'd be like, well, that needs work. And if it got about the same, I'd be like, well, it's probably an okay joke. But like if, you know, so I would always do that first joke. And if it did really well, I'm like, all right, this has potential to do really well the whole way through. And if a joke doesn't, I'm like, well, that's clearly that one joke's fault or like my delivery of that (laughs) joke's fault. And but I would like get almost like too focused on like, individual feedback from joke to joke that like i think it it definitely helped me uh during the time period where i was doing it but like opening with the same joke i i must have done it for at least a year yeah every single like over 100 shows if not like 200 shows i just opened with the same joke every time and so i think it helped on each individual set but as a whole it was not good for me because I was so dependent <laughs> on that opening line Yeah, that eventually when I was like, all right, I want to stop doing that. It was like, 
hard. You know, I was like, I gotta like figure out how to actually start comedy yeah. again. I I I think I have like two or three, maybe four openers, like one liner openers that mm-hmm. I usually start with. And those are I usually use those at like club shows. Yeah. Um, where I need to open well. But lately I've been forcing myself not to do it. Yeah. Like at Blind Pig, I almost always try to go up there and acknowledge something about what's going on in the room. Yeah. Um, just because of what you're saying. Because it, it it almost feels like cheating if maybe cheating's the wrong word, but like if like going up there and saying, Yes, this is a good joke that I know is gonna work every time. And now I get to judge them based on how that, like, if they don't laugh at that, mm-hmm. now it's like. Now the pressure's off. Now the pressure's off. And, and I feel like I don't, I don't uh, try to win them over after that. It's like, well, they don't, they don't deserve it. They didn't get the first one. Yeah. So I have to keep myself away from those kinds of thoughts. Yeah. Which, yeah. Which is bad. Cause like, you do want to win them over. It's like, you might have to do something outside of your comfort zone. You might have to do Crowder. You might have yeah. to do whatever, but it's like you should want to win them over every time, but you're hundred percent right. Where it's like, if a go-to joke at the beginning of your set doesn't bomb, it's so easy to be like, Oh, oh this crowd. Sucks. <laughs> it's so easy. It's so that. easy. I've been leaning more into this. Uh, I- I'm just feeling more of my curmudgeon self coming out on mm-hmm. stage. And I've started doing some of my even older jokes sort of as that sort of like, a little bit more angry <laughs> and it's a fun little character that I'm playing with. And it's not even characters. It's my yeah. real, it's my real true self. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like a lot of my new material that I've been writing sort of comes from that, that perspective of like the grumpy old man. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's, it's literally the thoughts that are popping into my head these days. Yeah. And I've noticed that that's the person I love being on stage. I love when they just think I'm, weirdly angry about nonsense <laughs> things and that to me is a lot of fun to play around with uh but it's not it's not connected to anything that i've done previously which is just like i want you to like me yeah and so i'm sort of going through that that weird little transition on stage of learning to be myself on stage a little bit more instead of being the people pleaser yeah but that is fun it like it i don't and i guess a lot of people like being a character on stage but I guess I don't think I want to. I don't think I'm an actor, right? I Like, I yeah. want to be a stand-up comic. So it's like, I want to just, like, obviously it's, like, amped up a little bit, right? I'll tend to be a little more energetic on stage than mm-hmm. I am off stage or what have you. But it's, like, uh, and that's that's just another cool thing about comedy, right? Is, like, everyone has their own things they're trying to get out of it. But, like, for me personally, I like just being myself and, like, just kind of like settling into like yeah these are like my thoughts and this is how like i want to present myself but it's like uh yeah i I don't want to be an actor but at the same time there's people who love being characters that's just not relatable to me i think uh what really opened it up for me is i've started recording myself a lot more Mm -hmm. video i used Mm -hmm. to record every set with audio and then i would listen to it on my drive home and now, since I've been doing a lot more video recently, I've started watching myself cl- more more closely. And it's like, mm-hmm. who's this person that's like, I don't know, I find my my shoulders are up for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like <laughs> a little bit more, uh, it's, it's a weird part of my persona that's like, oh, I hope they like me. And I'm like all a little bit more clenched. Yeah. And when I watch myself more relaxed, oh, I love that person so much more. <laughs> and 
And it's a completely, it's a complete departure from, I think, what probably most people know me as on stage, mm -hmm. because most of my jokes are weirdly silly. Yeah. And I don't know, I feel like that's, that's, that's a, a, a season of my stand-up career that's sort of like retiring itself. Um, but it's fun to watch. Yeah, I, that, yeah. In the same way that like running a show will make you a lot better, watching your sets yeah. will also make you a lot better. Like I get it's it can be kind of painful to do, especially like watching yourself like work through new jokes and stuff like that. Or even like watching stuff like watching jokes that like are better now than they were like a month ago. It's like, ah, oh, like I wish I had that line there or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like it can be painful, but man, it makes you better. <laughs> I had a, uh, I, I, I like listening to a set I did over the weekend because um, I've been doing this section of my set where I pull out cards and do my mm -hmm. one-liners all together in one chunk. Mm -hmm. And I'm to the point right now where I don't even need the cards. They're just a prop, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I reached in them. I, I asked the crowd if they were ready for some weird things, weird weird jokes, and I reached into my pocket. My cards weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was like, uh-oh. So I had sort of had to have that moment on stage where I... I'm listening to this in my car and yeah. I hear myself reach into my pocket and I hear the hesitation in my voice. And I think they were okay with like that. I don't think anybody else picked up that I was yeah. having a weird moment, but listening to myself and have that level of anxiety. Yeah. And just, so what did you say in the moment? Uh, in the moment, I, I just sort of went into the jokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, cause I know I don't have them. There's one joke where I refer to the card. So I obviously didn't do that yeah. one, <laughs> yeah. but it felt, like, if I could pull this <laughs> off, I'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I could hear the anxiety in my voice um, from doing it that way. Mm -hmm. Sort of like, sort of like, oh, it's not in there. Yeah. And then just sort of pivoting into, like, I, I don't know what they thought I was reaching into my pocket yeah. for or yeah. what. But it was, it was still a section of weird jokes. I just didn't have my prop cards. Yeah. So that's really funny. That's like <laughs> kind of like a, if, have you ever been like in a joke that has a callback to a previous joke and you're like, you're like coming up on it and then you're like, oh no, I definitely did not do <laughs> the joke earlier in the set. And so there's been times where I was able to like tangent to do the joke yeah. I had missed earlier to come back to hit the uh, you know, the callback punchline. And there's been times where I'm just like, I guess I'm not doing the callback punchline. Yeah. But it's, yeah, having that feeling on stage is like, definitely, it's, it like gives you a jolt. You're like, wow, I'm really, really living in the moment right now. <laughs> I haven't had that experience of not, I don't do a whole lot of callbacks. I just, I need some more, but I don't have very many right now. Um, but I have done a longer set where I opened with, a joke that's usually in the closer, mm -hmm. like it's using like chunk of closers. Yeah. And I opened with it and then I got to that part of the section where it was like, shit, did I do that already? I think I, I was like <laughs> talking to myself. It was like, I don't, I don't remember if I did it or not. And uh, again, it was probably one of those things where yeah. like, I'm not sure that an audience necessarily could, could tell that I was having yeah. the weird thoughts running so through my head. did you just play it safe and not say I, it? I played it safe and I didn't say it and it turned out I had done it. So... <laughs> <laughs> but I those it, it is funny though like the the more you do the same jokes over and over again man you're on autopilot yeah they're just coming out you're having all the 
you're having thoughts and conversations with yourself while your mouth is doing all the work. Oh, 100%. Or if like something happens where you go off script, you'll be saying the joke and you're trying to like fill time or think of the next joke where it's like uh, this past weekend I was doing a show and I got heckled. Like, I think I just mentioned the city of Ann Arbor or whatever. And I was like, well, all right, like, let me just do the joke about that. And then while I'm in the middle of that joke, I'm like, I normally do this at the end. So let me like pull the other chunk that would be in the middle to go after this. I'm like rearranging the set list in my mind. But while I'm doing those like mental gymnastics, I'm still telling yeah. <laughs> the joke that like is currently coming out of my mouth. And I'm not really thinking about it. So the Ann Arbor scene, which obviously is it's you're as part of the Ann Arbor scene. If you, you represent the Ann Arbor scene. Um, I'm the ambassador. You're the ambassador in a lot of ways to the Ann Arbor scene. <laughs> I have the house where we well, have the after parties. I, yeah. <laughs> but like if there's ever like a, a, a roast battle between scenes or whatever, you're always central. We did that, yeah. 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 Um, and, and I've heard you talk about it several times, how the, the pride you have in the Ann Arbor scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about it. Why? Why? <laughs> what makes Ann Arbor better than everybody else? <laughs> uh, Ann Arbor isn't necessarily better than everyone else, but what I've said in the past is like it's the best, like pound for pound, and because it's not a big scene, there's only like a couple handful of like Ann Arbor comics. Yeah. But like, what's cool is like they're all good, which like statistically seems impossible right like every scene has their like good comics and their bad comics like for whatever reason like ann arbor has just like built these shows to allow comics to like improve and improve and improve to the point where they're all like everyone's just really good like you know especially like the new comics can get good quickly because we have these shows that allow them to like get in front of real audiences like right away instead of like struggling at like open mics with no audience members yeah so i think just the thing that's cool about the ann arbor scene like is the shows itself and part of it is like because we have the ann arbor comedy showcase and it's been there since the 1980s and it's always had the open mic and there's always been the way where you can like it can you know it's like any club where you kind of have to climb the ladder right you have to like show up a lot you have to do the open mic a lot eventually you can start doing guest spots eventually you can start hosting but it's like that ladder is always there in front of you and you can always like do those things and while you're climbing the ladder you're performing for like real audiences and then we also have like our independent shows like every monday the blind pig is awesome yeah it's like i how do you get that many people to show up every monday at (laughs) eight I don't know. It's but the candy. Yeah, it's the free candy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do know. I'm like, <laughs> we bribe them with free candy. We bribe them free candy. Um, you're talking about something that's really the the club itself being sort of like the the sort of like central hub of oh, the scene. There's something really unique about the way the comedians sort of like congregate there mm-hmm. in a way that um, you don't necessarily get at Mark Rivens Comedy Castle or. Uh, to, to some extent most clubs in general most clubs in general um there is that's just where a lot of the comics end up most weekend nights yeah for sure even if i do like let's say it's saturday and i do another show on my way back home a lot of times i'll just swing by the club for the late show because like 
chances are I have friends either hosting or emceeing, even if I don't know the headliner. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, that club like rotates through headliners, right? Like every two years, like, you know, they'll come back and because the comics all love that club. So it's like a lot of times it'll be like a headliner even mm-hmm. I've worked with or whatever. And it's like all the staff is so cool and like welcoming. And like if you're a comic who like regularly works there, they'll let you come just like hang out. And they're like supportive of the scene in a way that is like above and beyond, which is like so cool. Yeah. And so it's like, you're right. It is a hub where, you know, not only is it a place where we can like do the open mic and work on jokes and you can get paid to do shows on weekend, but it's like, it is a place where you can like, hang out and talk like when we were first like discussing the idea of doing an Ann Arbor comedy festival, a lot of those talks were like me, Brett, Andrew Yang, other people like, right. Just, we happen to be at the showcase. We're going to talk about it while we're there in the lounge or the green room or whatever. Yeah. Because I think it's just, it's, it's something that, um, it's, I think it's, unique to Ann Arbor is because the Ann Arbor comics are close to the club. Yeah. Whereas yeah, I can the, literally walk to the you, club. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, obviously that helps. Um, it's just, it's not, not nothing against any of the other clubs. It's just something really unique about our scene. Yeah. That um, it's, a, it's a smaller city. Yeah. And, and I, I think a it's lot very, of I think it's very favorite. supportive. So it's like when there's a new comic, like we try to help them, we're like, oh, you should do these shows that we like. And it's like, yeah, uh, try to get them trying to get new comics on like, like to do like the Bloom Showcase or whatever. I know it's like Jacob kind of books a variety of comics and it's like he'll get new comics to do like mm-hmm. five or whatever. And then at the end, do the more experienced comics do like 15 or whatever. It's like or, you know, trying to get a variety of comics in to do the Blind Pig like. Andrew's like constantly kind of like rotating through a list of people or whatever. So it's like uh, trying to um, be supportive of all the comics in the scene instead of being competitive with all the comics in the scene is another thing that I think the Ann Arbor comedy scene is really good at. I think so too. And I think like, yeah, we've been accused of being like clicky. Uh, but what's like, we're also just friends. That's, that's <laughs> it's like, yeah, you guys all hang out with each other. And it's like, yeah, yeah I yeah, hang out with, with my friends. friends. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's not to say like the other scenes aren't also clicky yeah. in the same way. Cause yeah, yeah. people hang out with their friends. Exactly. Cause you hang out with the people that are nearby. Yeah. And it's just, some it's something that I got to experience, uh, from the outside. And now you're starting to let me in a little bit. So that's, that's always nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like we were nice at the beginning. Yeah, you were. Um, and it really, it's it, I, we're, we're just obviously speaking mostly in jest here. The Michigan comedy scene in general is completely, people are sleeping on us. Because I think Michigan. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, and I like to think of Michigan. I, I would compare Michigan as a scene to any big city scene yeah. altogether. Yeah, like I honestly truly feel that way. Because like within an hour, hour and a half driving distance from Ann Arbor. It's like, you can do Toledo, who has great shows. Mm-hmm. Detroit has great shows. Lansing has great shows. It's like, you Ann Arbor itself. So it's like, there's all these like really cool things happening. The main difference is you have to be willing to drive to yeah. get to them. Yeah. As opposed to like being in New York and like riding the subway or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we've beat, we beaten around the bush a few times about the uh, Treetown Comedy Festival coming up. Um, what can you tell me about it? When is it? It is February 28th through March 2nd. 
So 12 shows over four days. Today's a leap year, or uh, this year is a leap year. Yeah. So uh, we're doing a few different venues, but uh, at the Blind Pig, we have three headliners. We have Demetrius Fields, who actually... Michigan comic. Yeah, he started in Michigan. He actually started when he was at University of Michigan. Like, right. He's yeah. younger than me, but kind of very similar route. And uh, he's super funny, like blown up lately, like just by making funny videos on the yeah. internet and yeah. whatnot. And, you know, he's headlined some other stuff in Michigan in the past. Like he headlined Mark Ridley's one time and he's headlined the Indie and whatnot. But uh, as far as I know, this is his first time coming back to like headline a thing like in yeah. Ann Arbor, which yeah. is cool because he, you know, was a University of Michigan comic. And uh, so that'll be at the Blind Pig on Thursday, which will be very fun. And then Friday... Will be Emma Wilman uh, headlining the Blind Pig. Uh, I'm excited for that one. I'm hosting that show, and then Saturday the Blind Pig is Irene too. Will be headlining, uh, and then we also have an entire weekend of shows at the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase. So last year we kicked off the whole festival by doing a comedy rumble, which is like the perfect way to like start a festival because it's just like all of the comics can be on one show. And what an entry point for somebody mm -hmm. wanting to be like, okay, well, what is, what, yeah. what is this scene like? Yeah. You can see all like all the comics, you know, 90 seconds a piece. It's like, so, it's, in general, Comedy Rumble is just like a, such a fun show to like be in the audience for. And then I've never had a bad experience watching or participating in a rumble. It's, yeah. it's one of my favorite things in comedy. Yeah. They're so fun. The whole, the whole thing is just, fun but like being able to have that as like our kickoff show and having it be like here's like a sampler platter of all the comics that's a really funny way to put it yeah on the festival is like it's the perfect way to start and 30, like, 30 comics 30 comics yeah and it'll be um nearly every like feature comic on the fest there's a couple comics who are like their travel schedule didn't allow them getting in on wednesdays or whatever but uh and then a couple other of our like local favorites were like nice enough to like jump in and be fill the yeah <laughs> the yeah. last like four spots or whatever that weren't filled by feature comics but um so that's wednesday at the showcase and last year that show sold out our kickoff show sold out which is like a sold out show at the showcase is so fun like that that venue it's, is just so it, awesome it's, it's a great venue like we said low ceilings it's in the basement yeah uh it's it's just it's a perfect place for comedy. It's got the tiered seating. Yeah. You're all, you're all, uh, it, it just feels, even when it's half full, it feels full. And yeah. when it's full, it's beyond anything. Yeah. It's, it's so cool. And then Thursday, we're doing a like showcase style show at the showcase, uh, which will just be like eight of our favorite comics from around the country all on one show. So uh, that'll be awesome. I'll, I'm hosting that one too. So that's, uh, that might be the show. I'm most looking forward to um, just because I like it'll be a lot of comics I haven't seen in a minute. A lot of mm -hmm. friends coming back in and, you know, being able to like do a show at the showcase and having a little more time than like 90 seconds of the rumble, for sure. example. Uh -huh. uh, and then Friday and Saturday, we have Phil Hanley headlining for all three shows, yeah. which is really cool. He headlined the showcase years ago and he said that it was like one of his favorite weekends ever working a club and he's worked yeah. so many clubs yeah. you know and uh so the fact that we were able to like work with roger to like bring him back to perform at the club again and have it be a part of the festival was like a really cool thing 
That's a that's a good that's a good get. Yes. As they say. Yeah, and yeah. he's also like just hilarious and has been like blowing up lately yeah. by you know just posting like clips of him doing crowd work and whatnot. Uh, yeah, it's a really good get. We're we're really excited about all the comics we have booked this year. And then as like the cherries on top, uh, every month there's like the Bloom Meadworks Comedy mm-hmm. Showcase, which is like just a rad show. It's like the ticket's like ten bucks and they give you a free drink. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like that show is awesome and it like sells out every month. And so we had to be part of the festival last year and it was the first thing that sold out. Yeah. It's like we sold out the majority of the shows last year on the festival. Like the first thing to go was the Bloom Showcase. Because it's just like an <laughs> awesome intimate room. It's a deal. Yeah. And so this year we added a second one. So we're doing one of those Friday and one of those Saturday. Uh, and then there'll be like the don't tell show at like the secret venue. Oh, you can't tell. You can't even tell us on this. No, no. <laughs> but <laughs> like being in the know. <laughs> you, we can talk after. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so twelve shows over four days. Uh, by the end of it, I'm gonna be dead. But yeah, but it sounds like it's it'll gonna be, be yeah, it'll be a fun ride. But while it's, it's going. So, what was your involvement last year? Last year, I was one of the producers. Okay. So it was like, it, it's always been kind of a team effort where I think Andrew Yang was kind of like the driving force. And part of that was because like at the time he was running the Blue Meadrick show right. and he was mm-hmm. running the Blind Pig show. And it was like, he came to like uh, me, Brett and Ella, and then some of our other comic friends too. And was like, I want to start a festival. And we were all like, we all agreed. Yeah. And we're like, let's just make it happen. And last year we did it on like such little notice. I think we like. It seemed fast. It was so, we'd like decided to do it in October and then like (laughs) pulled it off in like the first weekend of March. And the turnaround was, and that included like having to like book the venues and book the headliners and all that stuff. Right. The fact that the first year was so successful, like in hindsight is crazy. (laughs) Like I don't. No, and it was absolutely successful in the middle of a blizzard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it had its hiccups, and it was still good. It was still good. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, the, it snowed literally like a foot during the Beth Stelling show yep. last year. Yeah. It was insane. But the show was still awesome. Right. Uh, where can people find information about this festival? Treetowncomedy.com. Treetown. Uh, it'll be in the show notes, uh, Treetown Comedy. Dot com. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I don't want to keep you uh, too much longer. Um, we do end every episode the same way, though. Um, the name of the show is I'm Glad You're Here. Uh, you can say it into a camera if you'd like. You can uh, say it in a weird voice. I don't care. I just <laughs> Are you a fan of Pete Holmes by any chance? You watch uh, You Made It Weird? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He ends every, so, every episode by saying keep it crispy or having the guests yeah, guess yeah, yeah. keep it crispy. <laughs> um, but I don't, we're not going to say keep it crispy because that's not the name of the show. Uh, <laughs> I mean, his, his show also is. I don't know. I never understood why they went there. But also, like somebody pointed out to me, I was like, you're telling people to say I'm glad you're here to you? And I was like, no, I don't want that to be. <laughs> That's not the purpose of it. I'm I'm just hoping to compile enough of these so that I can uh, put it all together, uh, edit all, uh, everybody saying it all together. Uh, but Eric Locks, I'm glad you're here. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you're here. 